All right. Well, good day, everyone, in the amazing wide world that we live in, from the east to the west, the north to the south, wherever you may be. We're so blessed that you have joined us. And my name is Glenn Blakeney. I have the privilege and honor of being able to facilitate this session. It's actually session number two on the topic of the gospel of the kingdom. Session number two, the gospel of the kingdom. Before we jump in, let me just encourage you, if you've not yet connected to our Facebook group, it's called Kingdom Community Awake Nations. Just um, look for that, search for that on Facebook. You will get all the information that you need regarding upcoming sessions, including access to the notes. So you can download the notes directly from Facebook. Um, the other thing I want to mention is if you're not part of our kingdom community and you would like to, why don't you just head over to awakenations.org forward slash community, and uh, you can actually uh, give more information on what the kingdom community is all about. We're moving forward with some really cool initiatives. We have um, online presence is really increasing new website about to be launched kingdomcommunity.global. So keep your eyes on that space. Uh, you will have access to um, all of the information there. In addition, you can uh, download our app for iOS. If you have an iPhone Apple device, you can download our app. It still is in the process of being updated and new features added to it. For those who use Android devices, that that device, um, I'm sorry, that application will be released as well. We are about to go on Roku, Apple TV, um, I'm trying to think, Android TV, Amazon Fire. We will have our own channel as well. And we're looking forward to releasing that globally. Great things are happening. God is moving. New people are joining the kingdom community literally from all over the world. Again, more information about the kingdom community. Just go to awakenations.org forward slash community. And again, watch that space as well, awakenations.org for a new website. We do have a school of ministry online as well. If you're interested in additional study, you can go to um, right now it's supernatural.awakenations.org, but soon it's going to be kingdom. I think it's kingdomtraining.org, kingdomtraining.org. We are rebranding, calling it the kingdom school. And we look forward to making that available to people as well. There is a fee to enroll in those courses, but it is quite uh, really, really <laughs> insignificant. It just helps us, obviously, with all of the costs involved in running um, global platforms this way. If you'd like to partner with us financially, certainly we welcome your prayers, but financially, any amount uh, a month. That really helps us to continue to deliver this training. You can go to awakenations.org uh, forward slash donate. There's information there as well. So thank you guys for being part of the session today. And we are, we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. And uh, let's just start off by reminding ourselves that Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, 
that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world as a witness or a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, that particular verse is very significant. And in fact, in our next session, our session immediately following this one, we have uh, Dr. Daniel Guerrero from Switzerland is going to be facilitating that session. And he's going to be talking about that verse in the context of its original application, meaning that there was an application in which it was fulfilled by AD 70 uh, when the Romans invaded Jerusalem, the end of the age, so to speak. And if you've not really privileged to understand the context of that verse in, in the immediate um, you know, application to that first century hearers, I encourage you to jump on and be part of that. Um, if you've, even if you've not registered for the Apostolic Center's course, okay, um, there is obviously a responsibility that we still hold fast to as the disciples of Christ to preach the gospel of the kingdom through all the nations today. That is not to negate our responsibility to do that. Jesus is coming back. We know he is literally and physically he's returning and we need to make sure that we occupy until he comes, that we are preaching the gospel of the kingdom to all the nations of the world, seeing that it is such a significant task that has been delegated to the church, making sure, ensuring that the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the world to all the nations of the world as a testimony, then the end will come. Well, it's imperative that we understand what the gospel of the kingdom is. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, I'm not going to pretend to be able to unpack everything in this one session, but we are going to introduce basically the background or the foundation of the gospel of the kingdom. And one of the key um, verses that that we really need to lay hold of is in Matthew 25. I think it's uh, verse 13. Don't I haven't looked it up. It's really not part of our notes, but Matthew 25, when Jesus is speaking about the separation of the sheep and the goats. Remember, he, he talked about that, and he specifically said to the sheep that they would enter into the joy of the Lord um, because they had been faithful to the Lord. And he said this, he said, and to the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So enter into the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Some translations say from the creation of the world that the kingdom was prepared. So the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom was not something that was initiated or inaugurated through the ministry of Jesus Christ. He came to restore the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist preached to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And of course, Jesus did that as well. But the kingdom has been part of God's plan from the very beginning for his children. So when we look back 
We understand that. And we, we will be doing that in this session. When Jesus was on the earth, when he walked the earth over 2000 years ago, he not only preached the gospel of the kingdom, but he also demonstrated it in power. And I love Luke chapter eight, verse one. It says, this is the new King James. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings or the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus went about not only preaching, but bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The old uh, King James says preaching and shooing, or which means showing, manifesting, declaring the glad tidings of the kingdom. So Jesus was not only declaring the good news of his father's kingdom, but he was demonstrating it while he was on the earth. First Corinthians four talks about the kingdom of God, not being in word, not being in logos, but in power in dunamis. So the kingdom of God is not just a message. It's not just a story, but it's actually a demonstration of the power of God on the earth. Jesus said, in Matthew 12, 28, if I cast out demons by the power of the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So when the manifestation of power happens uh, in healing, deliverances, this type of thing, we see really that it is the kingdom of God come to bear on the forces of evil, the kingdom of God being established on the earth. Now, for us who speak English, um, or if even if you're not familiar, or, or let me rephrase that, if English is not your first language, um, the word kingdom may resonate with you in the sense of what it means in your original language. Now, the word kingdom, the etymology of it comes from at least two words, king and dominion. So every king has a dominion. Every king also has a domain. And a domain is the realm or the jurisdiction in which the king exercises his authority. This is powerful that we understand this. Jesus said that when we are born of the spirit, born from above, John 3, 3, that we, and verse 6 as well, he said that we see the kingdom of God. We cannot see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. Colossians 1, I believe it's verse 13, talks about when we come to the Lord, when we turn to the Lord, we are translated from one kingdom into another kingdom, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's son. So the kingdom speaks of the rule and the reign of the king, Jesus Christ. King of kings and Lord of lords. There's so much we could say about this. I refer you to 1 Corinthians 15 for further reading about how the kingdom is already here and he is reigning and ruling now, the scripture says. The consummation of his rule and reign will happen when he returns, when the final enemy to be defeated is death and he hands over, returns the kingdom over to his father. All things being put under his feet but there is still a rule and a reign that is happening now in fact in revelation 5 10 it says that we as kingdom as a kingdom of priests kings and priests are ruling and reigning with him now the present tense of the word 
uh, rain in the Greek language speaks of a present, a present activity that we're ruling and reigning now. And uh, of course, Paul speaks about that in Romans 5, the, the rule and the reign of God that is happening. We are ruling and reigning with him right now. Now, I want to be clear, this is not a political takeover. We're not talking about ousting the current regimes and nations. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and that the kingdom of God is within you. But the kingdom of God, when it is manifested on the earth, certainly will have a significant impact upon society, upon culture. Now, I'm not advocating by any means that we try to take over, but what I am saying is we are called to be salt and light. We are called to shine forth his light, to influence culture through righteousness, through um, preaching the gospel of the kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as more and more people receive the king, and come into the kingdom, the greater our influence will be for righteousness on the earth. And you can, of course, um, take a look at, at um, Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 is very clear that darkness covers the earth, but the Lord's glory and light shines upon us. So we're going to be talking about the glory of God today. The kingdom in English is literally the king's dominion. The dictionary describes dominion as the authority and power to govern and exercise control. In the original economy of the Lord, it was his will that his people would exercise rule, dominion. They would subdue the earth, right? Genesis 1, 28. God blessed them. God said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6 reiterates this theme. You have made him, meaning man, humankind, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And once again, in Psalm 115, verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's but the earth he's given to the children of man. You know, when the Lord created um, the original man and woman, they were created in his image and glory. We know it says in Genesis 1, 26, in his image and likeness. And uh, that, that, those are significant terms. Um, the words are Selim and Demuth in Hebrew. And they, the, the word Selim actually has the idea of uh, radiating or shining forth the image of God. It's, it's a very powerful term. So it's not just something passive, but it's something we're called to do. We're called to manifest on the earth. But it says in, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7, that man was made in the glory of God. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, everyone whom I created for my glory. So it wasn't just the man, meaning the, phys the, the male, but it was the man and the woman um, that were created in his image and likeness and for his glory. We were created for his glory. The glory of God, Psalm 8, 5, that says that Adam and Eve, man was made a little lower than the angels and was crowned 
with glory and honor. The word crowned in Hebrew means encircled or covered, can mean enveloped as well. Do you know that the same word is used that when David was hiding in the wilderness from King Saul and Saul's armies encircled David, that's the same Hebrew word that is translated crown here in Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. That word actually can speak of a literal crown, but it says we were, he was crowned with glory and honor. He was made a little lower than the angel. Well, if you look at other translations, you'll see that the term translated angels is often uh, translated God because it's the word Elohim. And it literally means that man was made a little lower than God. Now, the Elohim, the, the created heavenly beings of God, uh, we're, we're, we don't have time to get into that teaching today, but the Elohim um, are more than, it, you know, that word can be used, obviously, for angelic beings, created heavenly beings. Uh, as you study the Hebrew, you, you see that clearly, but it is used very clearly in Genesis, starting in chapter one, for God himself the one who created everything. He is Elohim. I believe that the word, the, this verse speaks of the fact that we are created a little lower than God himself, Elohim. Exodus 7, verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, you shall be as Elohim to Pharaoh. You shall be as Elohim to Pharaoh. And he talks about how um, Aaron would be his spokesperson or the prophet. So we were created in his image and likeness. We we're created a little lower than God. We are sons of God. We are his offspring is what the scripture teaches. So Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, we know that prior to the transgression, they were both naked, but yet they were unashamed. Genesis 2.25. After they ate the fruit, from the midst of the garden, they immediately became conscious of their need for covering. It says that the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings, Genesis 3, verse 7. I believe that the reason for their shame is because they had been stripped of their glory garments. As I said, the word translated crowned can mean covered, or it can mean to be clothed. So they were clothed with the glory of God. Everything God creates, has created, has a covering, by the way. And what ends up happening here is because they have sinned, they, they no longer have this covering. They are stripped of their glory garments. Paul says something so profound in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He says, sin results in us falling short of the glory of God, okay. falling short of the glory of God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Greek word that is translated fall short is hysterio, and it can be interpreted to mean to fail, to reach the goal, but it also has another even deeper meaning appropriate to the original sin context, and that is the idea of becoming inferior in power, influence, and rank. Plainly stated, not only did Adam and Eve experience the loss of God's glory, 
as a result or a consequence of their sin, but they also forfeited their authority or their co-regency to rule the earth with the Lord under his authority and auspices. So 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, John 12, verse 31 says that Satan is the god of this world, or he is the ruler or the prince of this world. Now, when he, uh, when Jesus came, fast forward thousands of years later, the Bible says in Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I have read this and I've studied this in the original, and there are different translations that say he came to seek and to save those that are lost. And, and the context, of course, he's talking to Zacchaeus, but I really believe that it, what he's speaking of here is more than just saving individuals. You know, the, the language literally in the original Hebrew, in Greek speaks of that which was lost. The idea is really something that was lost or some things, plural, that were lost, past tense. And it's very interesting that this is what he's speaking of. And if you notice closely, the word save, of course, is sozo in the original Greek language. And even though it can be say uh, translated to heal, to forgive, to deliver, to rescue, to make whole, um, that word actually has a more profound meaning, and it actually uh, implies the idea of being delivered from the evils which obstruct the reception of the Messiah's kingdom, to be delivered from the evils which actually would obstruct the reception of Messiah's kingdom. So, guys, this is powerful, and there are footnotes for this in your in your. Um, the documents that we've given you the this is powerful that jesus came to deliver us from any and all evils that would hinder us from receiving the fullness of his kingdom <laughs> so powerful so jesus came not only to forgive us uh, not only to obviously give us a place in eternity with him but to restore those things that were forfeited as a result of the disobedience of the man and the woman in the garden. In other words, he came to reestablish kingdom living. He came to reestablish kingdom living. Let me just give to you three main elements of the restored kingdom. Okay, number one, Jesus came to restore eternal life and relationship with the Father. John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, he said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. The word is ginosko. It means to know intimately, personally, in the most profound and intimate way. Secondly, he came to restore the glory that was lost in the garden. John 17, 22, Jesus says, while he's praying, Father, the glory that you've given to me, I've given to them, that they may know you, and that they may be one with you, is what Jesus is saying. And then he came to restore, restore the authority and dominion that was originally given to humankind 
um, to Adam and Eve to rule and reign on the earth. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on the earth is mine. All exousia is what he says. And exousia is all about the authority, the legal right to be able to rule and reign so that the full force and backing of the kingdom of God is with us. And he says right after that in verse 19, to go therefore and make disciples. In other words, he's saying, I'm delegating this authority to you to go and make disciples. In the context of new covenant, post the fall, um, obviously we have authority over sin, over sickness, over demons, even over death, Matthew 10, 7, and 8, right? When you preach the, kev- the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then, you know, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, and so forth. So the kingdom has come, the kingdom is here, um, and the kingdom is increasing in power and intensity um, and will. Now, again, we have the responsibility to ensure that God's kingdom, the good news of his kingdom, is not only preached, but demonstrated on the earth. And Jesus ultimately will um, establish it in its fullness when he comes, when the final enemy to be defeated is death. Paul said that the purpose of our being saved, our redemption, is that we would live in the glory of God's kingdom, not just in the future, not just one day when we when we die but now here and now let's look at two uh, references here first thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12 that you would walk worthy of god who calls you into his own kingdom and glory and then second thessalonians 2 13 and 14 god from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel. He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so powerful. So what does the devil do when Jesus shows up? Notice this, the Lord Jesus Christ is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy immediately after his baptism. And while he's there, Satan confronts him. Luke 4, 5 through 7, the devil takes him up on a high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the earth, of the world, in a moment of time. And the devil says to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. So clearly, the enemy comes to Uh, barter with jesus you know he knows that the reason why the lord came was to restore the kingdom that which was lost and so he's offering him a shortcut it's really a knockoff because he says if you would just bow down and worship me then i'll give you all these kingdoms but of course jesus uh was was bringing the kingdom of his father it wasn't just a, a cheap knockoff of the the kingdoms of this world Because ultimately, um, we realized that, of course, Jesus would never, he would never negotiate with with Satan. 
um, because he was well aware that such a transaction would not be legal in nature. It would not be legal. Why? Because it failed to address the root cause of the forfeiture, which was sin, right? Jesus had to shed his blood as the spotless lamb of God so that we could be forgiven without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin, Hebrews 9, 22. But after Jesus' death, purchasing our redemption with his sacrifice, uh, being an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for our sins, what takes place is this permanently binding legal transaction occurs. In other words, a covenant which results in us being reconciled to God the Father, as well as experiencing the restoration of the authority and glory. All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. And then you can read Ephesians 1.19 through 22, where he talks about how he is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is to be named. So what is the result? Listen, this is where often we miss uh, the full significance and scope of our redemption. What happened as a result of Jesus' death and restoration, uh, his resurrection? We were restored to the Father. All the glory uh, was restored to us. And the Bible really teaches that the authority or the dominion is in the glory. Remember, it says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And so the authority is in the glory. For example, the Bible says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Psalm 97, verse 5. The word translated mountains, of course, can be used figuratively, referring to anything that opposes God's will. For example, Zechariah says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. So what he's saying here is that it's God's presence, his power, his glory, ultimately, that causes uh, the mountains to melt like wax. Jesus told us we can speak to the mountain and it would be cast into the sea. But it's not because we use a magic formula or we tack on in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers. That literally to speak in Jesus' name means that we speak in his authority. That basically we are backed by him, fully sanctioned and authorized by him as his representative, as his ambassadors. So the authority is actually in the glory, even as Jesus walked in the glory on the earth. You know, I mentioned here Ephesians 3.20. Uh, now, he's able to do exceedingly. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Notice he says it is the power in us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us that is limitless. The glory of God manifested through the church is unstoppable, guys. I reference Peter. And Paul, you know, we look at Peter and how his shadow um, resulted in people being healed and demons coming out. Paul, so full of the glory that the Lord worked extraordinary miracles by his hands. So that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them. 
what power, what authority. It is the glory of God. In fact, going back to Genesis 1, the, the term Salem can also be translated shadow. Isn't it interesting? Shadow. And of course, the image of God means in a sense that we are his shadow. And so when it talks about Peter's shadow there, I, I believe it's speaking also of the radiant glory in which he um, emanated and, and, and walked in so that there was just the glory of God. And we've seen that when the glory of God is on a person and people can't stand or people are overcome, you know, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden and uh, he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he in the Greek language. He said, ego ami. Do you know what ego ami is in the Greek language? It's I am. He was saying, I am going back to Exodus chapter three, verse 14 I am was the name of Yahweh, God. And so when Jesus said, I am, it says that the guard that came to arrest him, they fell backwards. Do you know, some scholars believe there were over 200 guards that came to arrest him. So think about that. When he said, I am, the glory and the power that was released caused over 200 people to fall backwards. Um, by the way, if someone tells you that there's nowhere in the Bible where people fall backwards, they only fall forwards. Well, there's an example. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, so Paul, let's look at Ephesians 1.23, and then we'll stop. Paul shares a profound revelation about the glory. This is the Amplified Bible, Ephesians 1.23 in the Amplified. I encourage you to read Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified Classic Edition as well. Paul says the church is his body, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Jesus, the second Adam, exercised authority over demons, sickness, death, and even the elements when he was on the earth. Think about that. Okay. And he said in John 14, 12, just before he went to the cross, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And even greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. I love Matthew 9, 8. After the uh, man who was crippled was healed, um, it says that fear swept throughout the crowd as they saw this happen and they praised God for giving humans such authority, for giving humans such authority. That's what one translation says. So guys, um, thank you. That's the, uh, the session here in terms of the, the, the teaching portion. I'm going to stop the recording, then we're going to go into our discussion. Okay, thank you.